Hey guys, welcome back to Who Watches the Watchers. My name is Ian. This is Paul Damien. And this is Kenny. Hi, how are you guys doing? Hey, Hello. Hey, we're back. We're back at it. Today we're talking about The Sixth Sense by M. Night Shyamalan. Um, the last on our shelf for spooky season yeah. movies. This is the last one this oh. year. Oh, oh, I guess we're technically doing the what? another one next week, huh? Are we? Oh, well, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know what? Next week is the ne- last one. God mm-hmm. damn it. We fucked that up real bad. It I doesn't matter. I fucked um, it up. I'm sorry. It's because we're in the dark yeah. is why. Yeah, we can't think. Yeah, in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, this movie came out, what was it, 1999? Mm-hmm. I believe I'm almost confident it came out in 1999, um, and I had never seen it before. That's crazy to me. Really? Yeah. That is genuinely yes, crazy. That is, it is crazy because I have always wanted to see this movie. Um, but yeah, no, I'd never seen it before. Um, this movie it has only like five maybe main actors in it, which mm-hmm. is pretty incredible. It has a nice tight cast. Um, I wanted to get into it real. Hot and heavy right here at the beginning. Yeah. I fucking loved it. I love this movie. I feel like this movie is a fucking masterpiece. That's insane. That's not insane, but that's crazy. I'm glad you liked it so much. Yeah. That's a big surprise. Are do you tend to like M. Night Shyamalan movies? Have you seen a lot of them? Well, I've seen signs and I've seen uh parts of the village. Okay. I've seen what was it, the visit? Is that what it's called? The one where the kids go to the grandma's house and they like shit in the diapers and shit oh, like that? I haven't seen that one. <laughs> no. And <laughs> then yeah. I've seen The Happening. Gotcha. And See, one thing I was going to mention is mm-hmm. all of those movies you just mentioned have pretty tight knit little character groups right. that were meant to follow. So I really right. feel like that's kind of like his bread and butter is he really he's good at keeping like very condensed stories that have like a very limited amount of people that you're ever really interacting with more than a handful you know than a handful of times no that's Um, true but i uh yeah i i I, my thing with this movie is that i think like paul damien i had seen it a bunch in my youth you know because i've seen this movie more times but i hadn't seen it in years you Uh know and so i had kind of put it on a shelf of like horror yeah i was like way you know up here you know above my head and so to rewatch it now again in like my late 20s it was kind of like oh this is that's it that's all yeah. this movie was yeah. like <laughs> even beyond I, I felt like there was more i remembered that happened in that movie that even encountered so that was kind of a big surprise for me that i felt like there was almost like uh what do they call that when you remember things the that, mandala yeah effect. i almost have a mandala effect of like scenes from that movie that i'm like when did where is that scene i swear <laughs> to god that happened so um it was an interesting rewatch you know for me definitely but it is still i think you know there's a reason it made m night Shyamalan a household name no for sure um i mean it probably had you know had definitely helped bruce willis's career yeah along the way this was like his second renaissance bruce willis um and so yeah i can see why it is like the iconic movie that for your first time watching was quite quite a fun experience yeah (laughs) how about you paul damien when was so the first experience well i like Kenny said, was uh-huh. when I was younger, I'd probably watched it two or three times when I was younger. But like, how young? I, I I would have well, to less say less than thirteen. Yeah, I would have to say at least maybe ten years old. Okay, that's fine. Um, so I don't remember. I didn't remember fucking anything other than yeah um, the, the, the main fact twist. That Bruce Willis is dead at the end, right? You know. Um, uh, excuse so, me. The main twist is that Haley Joel Osment can see dead people. Okay, <laughs> true. True, um, but I actually kind of had the opposite <laughs> that was in effect. the trailer. I'm just kidding. I kind yeah, of the, had the opposite uh-huh. effect that Kenny had, uh-huh. where I just didn't fucking remember anything. Like, there, yeah, there so you had so no many, pedestal that it was on. Exactly, and there were so many like little details in the movie that I was just noticing for the first time because mm-hmm. it, to me, this was essentially my first time really watching it and paying True. attention to the movie. So all the little subtleties in the movie were so good because yeah. my brain wasn't focused on the big story anymore because for the most part i know it yeah so just seeing all the other little things and how things were shot mm-hmm. and the the acting in it just focusing on that um i i loved it i really really enjoyed it i yeah i mean i'm gonna sing the praises for this movie all all of this episode because yeah i i fucking love this movie um this is his third movie m night he did a um, independent film as his first one. I believe it was for college or right out of college. Hmm. And then he did one other movie in between, which was a kid. Oh, man. I wish uh, uh, 
So, I have it pulled up right now. Okay, here. what is the name of it's it? It's called Wide Awake. Wide Awake. A ten year old boy goes awake. on a ten year old boy goes on a search for God after his grandfather dies. Yeah, and it's it's not a good movie. And it's the the ad the the trailer for it was played for laughs because it has uh it has Rosie O'Donnell in it. Oh, and there's a there's a time where she plays softball, and that was funny in the movie. Um, okay. Yeah, no, it's it's no good. It's not a good movie. <laughs> um, but no, it's just interesting to see that M. Night... Because I want to talk about this movie and my relationship with Signs. Mm-hmm. Because Signs, I've always felt like, was an accidental masterpiece. <laughs> where really? it was kind of on the surface bad and not well received and goofy and full of holes full of holes yes. and strange and the dialogue doesn't match up it and should have characters... been starring Shia LaBeouf who's so full of holes you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it just it felt like it it was an accidental masterpiece in my mind because watching signs I feel detached I feel unable to do anything and it it it, it I don't know it plays into its strengths and watching this movie, I realized, oh, Signs was M. Night still trying to do The Sixth Sense. And I think mm-hmm, The Sixth Sense enough. is even more of an accidental masterpiece because I don't feel like he's been able to recapture what he did here. Well, I think the problem is that he's been trying to recapture what he did here. I think, right. you know, something M. Night Shyamalan kind of cursed himself with in The Sixth Sense is that he became the guy with the great twist. plot twists. You mm. know, the guy who could do twists better than anybody. What was his mo- most recent movie? Have y'all seen it? Was it old? It was I have great. not seen it. No, I haven't I seen it. I've heard less than great things. Really? Um, to be completely honest, Fair but enough. no, I have not gone, I have not seen it just yet. But one thing I was going to mention that's kind of interesting is that Wide Awake came out in 1998, and then Sixth Sense came out the year later in 1999, and then mm-hmm. Unbreakable came out the year later yeah. in 2000. I don't think I've seen Unbreakable either. So, I mean, he was Wait, just yes like... I <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> no, and then Signs is 2002. So oh, I saw half of Unbreakable. So, yeah. two, Signs is 2002, so we get a two-year skip, and then mm-hmm. Village is 2004, so we get another two-year skip. But I just think mm-hmm. that's crazy that The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable came out back-to-back back back like that, because um, that's another kind of accidental masterpiece yeah. have y'all seen it either of y'all i saw the first half of unbreakable but i i do want to see it i never mm-hmm. saw split either uh, we should do these for the podcast yeah, i think we should probably do that oh, he directed just split? to be able to talk about it well because unbreakable is related to split oh that's right and yes. then split obviously goes into mr glass or, Mr. or glass. just glass i think it's just called glass um but I no these those are a thing. i love science to just to talk about it just a little bit okay. that's the funny thing is that like <laughs> if i had to pick between the two movies, I mm-hmm. think I would pick Signs, but I think that's just more going back to nostalgia, nostalgia, and the fact that I find a weird horror in the extraterrestrial, right? Uh, more of a realistic horror in the extraterrestrial than right. I do in the paranormal. You know, so I, I think, would, I would argue this isn't a horror movie. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, if we think, we, yeah, that was an interesting choice that we we veered away from one thing to go into, yeah, uh, this, and we kind of still didn't land on something that's totally horror you know right. and so but i feel like this is much more horror than what we were gonna do i'll go ahead and say it it was yeah. stalker well, by we mentioned at the end of last episode well so i was gonna cut all that no <laughs> i was gonna <laughs> i was this. gonna put dr phil's voice at the end of the uh, previous episode saying next week the boys will be doing so- uh the sixth sense that's whatever. badass do that yeah. okay, well i do that and... on our other episodes oh do you really yeah whenever we switch it up i put dr phil's voice saying so what fine. we're gonna be doing nice anyway you're anyway. an alcoholic all right, cut um, all this <laughs> no but i know i uh, yeah the sixth sense i don't feel like is an actual horror movie and i feel like m night loses himself a little bit mm-hmm. in the success that this movie has because this movie comes out the same year as uh, the Blair Witch, oh. and both oh. movies are fucking groundbreaking in quotes horror movies, and where the Blair Witch kind of bleeds off into a whole new genre of horror, of which like is the like still, the, the well low low budget, low budget yeah yeah extremely low footage. budget yeah the found yeah. footage mm-hmm. films yeah this is kind of like the like a dying breed of horror, which is like. 
high budget mm-hmm. and like big good, twists. Yeah. Well, well, good acting, good quality, you know, good directing. And I want to talk about how this happened. This movie was there was at the time there was this, the culture in um in uh Hollywood? script writing, oh. yeah, in, in Hollywood was that you would buy pitches, you would bid on them mm-hmm. on script pitches for millions of dollars. And this one was bought by Disney for three million dollars. Can wow. you fucking believe that shit? Just for the script, yeah. Well, and uh, one of the caveats was that he had to direct it. M Night. Does that he mean wanted to direct Macaulay it. Culkin is a Disney princess? <laughs> Macaulay Culkin is not Macaulay Disney. Culkin. Uh, that's what I meant. <laughs> Haley, Haley, Haley Joel Osment. Yeah. Yeah. Him too. Is he a Disney princess? <laughs> he yeah. might as well be. I know. It's up there. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just stupid. Kid actors. I get it. Um, no, but I, I just wanted to say that, like, I don't know. This feels like, I feel like we're never going to get a movie like this again. As as much as M. Night would like it to happen, I feel like this is kind of a strange accident that happened. And mm. it's kind of incredible i really love the the way this movie is structured mm-hmm. i love the imagery i love the symbolism i love so much of this it's movie perfectly has. cast you know yeah, i, mean, I sure. love to fucking see tony collette so much yeah. younger yes. you know to, uh, yeah. now that she's such an iconic horror actress mm-hmm. coming out of hereditary you know yeah. i feel like that made her oh my it's crazy to think that she's always been kind of in the yeah. in the genre even though like you know this isn't totally horror yeah. it still is put on the scary movie shelf i, I feel think, like at the end of the day i feel like know? she got the job in hereditary because of this movie she's incredible she's incredible in this movie yeah. i absolutely loved her you and know? she's incredible in hereditary too she fucking is she does so fucking good she's incredible she's mm-hmm. in little miss sunshine she's in knives, knives out, out which yeah. is great yeah <laughs> Um, she's, I just love her. And she's from like Australia mm-hmm. or something. And she's such a fucking good actor. I wanted to talk about her, but I'll talk about her later. Um, <laughs> talking about her now. Well, but yeah, I just think this was such a well cast yes. movie that if our top, th- those three, specifically mm-hmm. Bruce Willis, Haley Joel Osment, and Tony mm-hmm. Collette would have been anybody else that we could have, this could have been a very different film south. or it could have, yeah, not been as well received. But I think those three just landed their roles. Yeah. Fantastically, specifically Haley Joel Osment. I mean, they found the yeah. scariest child. <laughs> to to pluck off and put into this position because he I fucking agree. kills it and is a nightmare the entire film. <laughs> well, you're scared of him a little bit. You're creeped out by him. Okay, just because he's on here, I, I also just want to talk about the fact that um, uh, he's my favorite uh, voice actor for Kingdom Hearts because he plays Sora. Oh, he does play Sora. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that completely. <laughs> Good job, Haley Joel. Um, awesome. Ta-da. <laughs> um, no, I, I wanted to talk about Haley Joel Osment for a second. Yeah. The role of Cole was obviously auditioned by a lot of people. One of them being Michael Sarah. Really? Yeah. Apparently, he auditioned for this part, and he played it completely different in the audition. He played it a little comical. Um, yeah, but Marissa Tomei was almost Tony Collette's part, which oh. is interesting. Who's that? Marissa Tomei from is from. Names. Uh, My Cousin Vinny yeah. and the Spider-Man movies. She plays Aunt May. She was in The Wrestler. Like which Spider-Man movies? The most recent ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's yeah. Aunt May now. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Because I was like, there's three Aunt Mays. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, good call. There is three Aunt Mays. Um, regardless, I feel like, yeah, this movie, it opens up with Donnie Wahlberg mm-hmm. as Vincent, which is incredible. This fucking... I was blown away at how good this character was being portrayed. And I think it's maybe the best, um, the best acting I've ever seen from a Wahlberg. Oh yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) Frankly. Um, it's funny because I was wondering where you're going. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because I mean, M night returns with another Wahlberg in the happening, Mm -hmm. which is, have you guys seen that movie? Oh my God. I fucking hated it. It's so dumb. It's, it's such just, a fucking It's just stupid because movie. of his acting mainly that really <laughs> upset me. Like they, it, <laughs> if it wasn't just so bland uh-huh. and just, I felt like everything well, just lacked Are y'all not Marky Mark fans? Like, <laughs> are we shitting I'm, on the Bergman I'm right not now? the happening no, fan. I'm not okay. an M. Night Shyamalan fan. <laughs> That's the problem. But you kind of are now. But I well, just yeah, hated I, the way he acted in that movie. That's well, it. Okay, it so just killed everything for he me. He was obviously badly directed yes because zoe de chanel's in that movie mm-hmm. playing opposite marky mark also yeah and she doesn't do well but we've obviously seen her play in other things and she's fine marky mm-hmm. mark whenever he plays well it's whenever he's playing a boston tony 
it's whenever he he plays somebody that's like him. Yeah, no, exactly, you know? exactly like him. Like someone that would stop nine eleven from happening if he were on the airplane. <laughs> yes, dude. Oh my god. I hate you. <laughs> no, but I I just I love Donnie Wahlberg in this movie because he's he's fucking terrifying, yeah. menacing as fuck. Yeah, and it's just incredible that. He, I think he lost like thirty something pounds to play this part. Dude, when he turned around, mm-hmm. like after just being like, "I'm fucking done," you see him turn around. And I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, like you could feel the emotion coming off of his character. Yeah, I, I, this movie. Oh god, it's so fucking good. Um, let's talk about Tony Collette now. Okay. <laughs> um, so Tony Collette, I feel like doesn't get the recognition she deserves in From Hollywood this movie? or, just or in, in Hollywood at all. I would okay. agree with that. Um. I guess I, I didn't like, remember she was the mom, and so when I literally mm-hmm. saw her name in the title, I was like, "Oh, she must be the mom she character in this." You Haley know, so Joel I was, mommy. I was literally blown away. <laughs> yeah, Haley <laughs> Joel mommy. <laughs> um, but no, I I feel like she doesn't get the recognition she deserves, and I feel like it's because um, I don't know. She's older now, and I don't know. I I want to see her in a movie that's recognized by the Academy. I yeah. guess, and. It's strange because I guess like if you were to look at a male actor that would might be around her age or something, yeah. uh, you know, maybe even older. Hugh Jackman is, I feel like, a great actor, but I feel like Tony Collette's better and Hugh Jackman gets recognized all the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why why isn't there such a outrage for how good Tony Collette is? It's because Hugh, Hugh Jackman is a huge Ackman. <laughs> yeah. No, I absolutely agree. It's like I'd much rather see her go up against fucking... Uh, Mike Myers than fucking Judy Greer, you know what I mean? Oh, oh, in uh, the Halloween Kills. Oh, no, true, right now, yeah. You know what I mean, like, I yeah. just like I would much rather see her, in, like you said, like a recognized mm-hmm. horror film, you know, true. versus just like these. But I mean, that may be her choice as an actress to like like to do these more indie style films true. because there's so much more. F- freedom and what she gets to be because i mean i almost feel like if she wasn't working with m night Shyamalan or uh ari aster right. she wouldn't get to push those boundaries of true. sanity that mm-hmm. she really especially in hereditary because yeah. she i mean that's where she shows that her true chops of being just like someone who can just like so fucking lose her true. fucking mind yeah. you know what i mean um i feel like she does such a good job in the sixth sense of being like the stable, s- trying desperately to be stable, the supportive mother and trying to be stable. I think she a- would do a good job in like uh, uh, Freddy Krueger movies. What are they called? <laughs> the <laughs> Nightmare, Nightmare on Street. <laughs> what were you saying? She does such a good job being a stable mother. Yeah, it's trying to be the stable mother who's dealing with a child that you know it's like is either being beaten and just oh, going right. crazy for it, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. or is just like harming themselves and mm-hmm. is a perpetual liar you know it's like what do you do like and you're a single mom you're trying to survive you know yeah. you're working two jobs i've just you get you get the struggle through the limited dialogue we really mm-hmm. get through her in so many ways i thought the dinner scene with her and cole where she's just begging him to confess about the the bumblebee pendant is such right. a powerful moment of just like the frustrations it would be to be living with him um with obviously what he's deciding to keep a secret a secret you yeah know? i mean which all would y'all have kept it a secret? I feel like if I was a kid, I'd be like, I am seeing shit. I, I feel like at early, very early on. He, it's so well done. Mm-hmm. I feel like th- with his reaction to everything, because like he never tells Bruce Willis that he's a ghost, and he's probably had experience with other ghosts telling them that they're ghosts. You, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. like he obviously knows Bruce Willis is a ghost. That's the big twist, mm-hmm. and it, he, he. You can see it, you, like backwards engineering. Like you can see how he's working on every level. Where he's like, I can't tell them my secret because no one will believe me, and they might lock me away. And you know, just everything is at work here with his internal. You can like, tell how intelligent he actually is. Yeah, he's. Yeah. Oh my god! I saw a thing talking about Donnie being his dad, and oh. there a theory about that. And I was interesting, lo- and I was wondering what y'all thought about that because I was like, I don't feel like the ages. Totally line up up to where what Donnie Wahlberg looked like to what Tony Collette is, but at the same time, I mean, that could be a thing, and it makes sense on like then not to use the word, but like a hereditary Mm -hmm. side of like the sixth sense being passed down. No, his dad did die. They just kind of leave it as left. You know what I mean? It's like very open ended on like you know like and so that, but that's also Mm. something you would tell your son if your 
his, his, your, his dad was like a crazy person. So I think if his dad had died, wouldn't he have seen him at some point? Probably. I don't know. Exa- I, don't- I mean, it just depends on how detached, right? You know, t- and the mother and father would be at this point. So I just thought that was like an interesting theory that people have. That out is there, an interesting that, like, theory. It is literally a, a bloodline kind of thing going forward. Um, and the only reason that uh b willis doesn't put it together is that he's obviously dealing with his own right not currently being alive situation right spoilers sorry guys i love that they they set up all the rules mm-hmm. it through Haley joel osmond's mm-hmm. dialogue well uh, and, dialogue. and well and a little bit of brillis where he yeah. kind of comes up with the idea like maybe they just need help and only good ones who True. genuinely need help can see you you know mm-hmm. i thought that was watching it again interesting that he was the one who kind of came up with that theory and is basically like jump into the pool bud give yeah. it a shot you know it's like damn way to push him into the worst situation yeah. <laughs> i loved the scene where he tells bruce willis like i see dead people because yeah. i only ever remembered that scene as i see, I see dead. dead people yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all i ever remember the scene as uh-huh. watching it again where he explains everything yeah, it's, there's a big lead up re- a lot of them don't even realize they're dead you know yeah. and just all everything he says just it, it, knowing how the movie plays out mm-hmm. just makes so much more sense like you said you could see everything being reverse engineered and yeah, it, dude, yeah. it's just it's awesome it's beautiful hey, I, hey damien i'm ready to tell you my secret Also, I can I um, tell you guys a secret real quick. Yeah, keep moving, cheese dick. <laughs> <laughs> I would have. Uh, I think I would have kept it a secret. By the way, just oh yeah, I would have too. Do you really? I don't think, think so? I would have yeah. fucking told anybody because people just like knowing me would have been age. like, "All right, dude." Well, I just come from a really superstitious family, so oh. they they would be <laughs> like, they'd be like, "All right, Bruh. we gotta bless him." You know, you're fucking <laughs> rubbing egg on him twice a day. You know, so I just I mean the egg I treatment would have been nice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the egg treatment's good. Um, I love them eggs. Can I offer you an egg in this trying time? <laughs> <laughs> so how do you guys feel about Bruce Willis's character? Because it feels like he is it, it does a really good job at only existing whenever he's on camera. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because like obviously he must just be ethereal or non-existent there's no consciousness whenever he's not following anything and and they make up the rule pretty early on that or whenever he confesses jaylee cole Cole. (laughs) um (laughs) it's because you want to make the joke (laughs) (laughs) it's because like the ghosts only see what they want Mm -hmm. how do you guys feel about like well on top of that he also says at one point like he seems to be missing time. Yeah. Yeah. Or like time seems, he can't even keep track of time anymore. And so I feel like that leads into what Mm -hmm. you're talking about where he's not always there. He's only around what he only, like you said, he only sees what he wants to see. So he's only around the moments or places he wants to be around. Exactly. Uh, This is what sucks in my opinion is that we knew all the big twists Mm -hmm. going into this movie. So we already knew every scene with his wife she's not actually seeing you know we yeah, knew yeah. that and that's what sucks for us because can you imagine not knowing and having gone yeah, into the right? theaters and you're like oh his wife's fucking pissed at him because he's put his career before her yeah so that i mean i especially after the opening where he's like talking shit about his own career yeah i mean i just was trying so hard to like detach my mind from the knowledge of knowing he right. was already dead and trying to experience all of these scenes from like a perspective of like he's mm-hmm. alive to yeah. me right now you know like and so that's where it's kind of sucks for us to not have that genuine ability to do that but um so that's what i was trying to do during the movie and i i will say that he does a fantastic job of piecing the the scenes with the wife together to make it pretty you know i I could believe that when i was watching in theaters that i'm like this this feels weird but you know i'm gonna but i I would have taken it at face value until the big twist you know i feel like i would have gotten suckered into it you know so i think that is impressive in directing because it's very challenging to Mm. you know to make it to where she to make him literally not there but have scenes, full yeah. dialogue scenes with her you know that we have to get through so um, i thought that was very intriguing i mean one of them the beautiful one is when he's sitting in the living room with tony mm-hmm. collette and she never even pays a second of attention to him so like any anybody and now it's like obviously he's not there but right. to have watched it then it's like oh she's just not that's a good point you know I, th- I thought it was very interesting it's actually funny that you say that because I didn't know the ending to this movie until about a year ago. 
Really? Yeah. How did you exist this long <laughs> without right? knowing? I just, I because I was like, oh, I've seen that movie when I was little. I don't need to revisit it, you know. So it, I, I thought I knew everything about the fucking movie. Obviously not. You're like he sees but, dead um, people. It was. Um, I think I was just like uh, watching a YouTube video, and they just Mention really it. quickly mentioned the movie and talked about. So have how you Bruce not, Willis was dead at the end, and I was like, "Fuck!" Have you not seen Fifty First Dates? I, I'm so glad you I've brought seen, that up. I've seen Fifty First. Dates. They talk about it in that one. That that that's, Drew Barrymore experiences it every day. I love that those two mo- these the, two movies. See, I didn't even realize. You know? <laughs> and it's I'm, funny because I've seen that movie <laughs> yeah. a ton least, of times. Yeah. At least a hundred times because of my sister. And exactly. I'm so glad you brought it up because I've seen that movie a million times mm-hmm. and they those two will always exist in a single <laughs> yep. entity to me. I couldn't watch The Sixth Sense without seeing the scenes of Drew Barrymore yeah. reacting to The Sixth Sense. So I loved it. I, I don't even remember that. That's so funny. That's really the movie they watch every night together. So every night she's like, I can't believe Bruce Willis was dead. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine dealing with that for a fucking year? Just, I know, right? Yeah, just And having to act also surprised by the twist yeah. well going back to your point kenny about like point? well yeah we're talking about um no just that you wish you could have experienced this oh, movie yeah, untainted i feel like it was a better experience for me personally mm-hmm. because i got to examine the craft on how possibly at all m night could have pulled this shit off Mm -hmm. because the whole time i i wasn't looking for slip-ups but i was thinking how is he gonna pull this scene Mm -hmm. off how is he gonna do this i can't wait to see this and there's scenes where you know like the dinner Mm -hmm. scene where he doesn't quite pull the chair out he just kind of sits in it because it's kind of already open or the fact that he can't get into the basement Mm -hmm. and he's it's because he's ghost blind to the fucking furniture in in front of it you know like there's just so many beautiful little textures like that that i was i could not wait to bite into and i was served a very beautiful m night plate i think no i think he did a fantastic job of Mm -hmm. balancing a very hard act to do which is you know exactly making him have entire scenes with someone he's convinced is just ignoring him you know while still making him while you know still making it uh believable you yeah know? understandable um and so like the only one i think funny enough was like a little silly is the cheese dick scene <laughs> you know that was because awesome. there's no real reason he would have been in that moment he was just kind of in the basement um i mean he was kind of doing like i guess research, research. i mean that's it but i mean i think obviously that scene is based more around the fact that he was just there to experience yeah, this guy coming in like think... it on the wife and it's to establish that obviously she's moving on and mm-hmm. he get jealous but it's like wouldn't he have gotten angry and confronted her about that? Even as a spirit, sooner on than the scenes we see, like if he's only going where he'd want I mean, to be, I feel like he, that would be something he would have wanted to be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> so much sooner on, but it's also like, are, are they that? Man. I guess at this point, we're supposed to believe they're genuinely separated, and it's like maybe she has a choice to be dating outside. No, there. I don't think so. I think he. Kenny called him a cuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean exactly. <laughs> I feel like he... he's a ghost cuck. <laughs> I feel like he is, ha- he has to experience these things in order to understand how to leave on. this dimension. Mm. And so I think these are all key factors on him understanding that he's not in this picture anymore. And so I think that literally every scene that we get of him mm-hmm. is literally all the times that he ever exists post death. Yeah. yeah I absolutely. feel like, yeah. So like, I feel like he doesn't come back into the ghost realm. Because it says the next fall. So that could be in any yeah, indiscriminate amount of time. Yeah, but to him, there was no time probably exactly. truly in between. And so I just, I, I feel like every piece, every everything that we have for him to experience is part of his learning to move on. And he probably got the best journey out of everybody. Oh, yeah. It's since he kind of learned the rules of everything. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the thing with Haley Joel Osment is he still has to live with these nightmares. I guess yeah. now he's just going to kind of help him. But I can't imagine it because I mean, imagine how what if that whole situation with the VHS type didn't land? Yeah. You know, he's like, What are you doing, little boy? Yeah. Where did you get this? Like, what so, is going on? You know, well, hold on, let's take a quick break, okay. and then when we come back, we'll finish talking about the VHS. Oh, we're talking, oh, Kenny, do you want to intro us? And we're back. Who watches the watch to this? <laughs> All right, oh, nice. I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna go the whole mile. <laughs> Oh, 
that's so loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, right. We're back. Talking uh, about the uh, sixth sense. Yeah. Paul Damien, was there something you wanted to bring up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you were just talking about the, the videotape scene. Yeah, uh-huh. the VHS. Um, so the only reference to that whole scene and that whole situation that I've ever had uh-huh. before watching this movie. Uh-huh. Um, because uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't remember the first time I watched it. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> was Scary Movie three? Because they make fun of this, uh-huh. and so the entire time <laughs> I was just thinking about that scene. That's all. Right. Okay, fuck you guys. Great job. Um, <laughs> no, that's a good job, man. Good uh- job. <laughs> Great job. No, um, I'm glad you're wearing the fucking Exorcist shirt because yes. that was the one of the things I remembered. Being more graphic? Yeah, I remember that bitch looking like that. And yeah. not so much like just a girl with some black makeup on her eyes throwing up a little casually. Like yeah. even when the scene was coming up, I was like, oh no, here comes the throwing up girl. And I was like prepared for so much more graphicness. Yeah. So when it actually finally showed her, I was like, oh, that's it? She threw a little chicken noodle soup. That went yeah. that's, that's how it was for every horror part. Like mm-hmm. the first thing that we, the first one that we really, really get is the abused woman mm-hmm. who With the seems wrist. like her, just her like, his mother. Really low. Right. And so he's brushing, or no, he's peeing or something, and she walks behind Dude, him. Dude, that was like so relatable. Yeah. Just like being like, oh shit, it's dark. I don't Too scared want, to run down yeah. that hall. I don't want to go down that hall. Dude, I would make Todd go with me. Yeah. Like when we were little, I would be like, Todd, if I don't pee, my bladder is going to burst and I'm going to die. I still make Todd go with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it, yeah, no, I, that's the first real scary scene. Mm-hmm. And then so when we, when we see her in the slit wrist, of course I was like, oh, that sucks. But I, I was like, this movie's not going to be scary, mm-hmm. is it? Because I did remember seeing or one... graphic, is I guess what yeah. I would even say. There, I remember seeing one scene from this movie um, on television. And that was the the very ending where he's like... He confesses to his mom and he's like, I see the woman, she's right next to the car. And mm-hmm. we see the biker and she's got blood. Yeah. And I was young when I saw that. And so seeing it this time, I like I was not... Pre- I was like trying to prepare myself. I had the fucking volume on full blast. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm a man. And seeing her, I was like, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> it. I was like, yeah, I, I understand I this pedestal thing. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck. I remember this being fucking Way terrifying. I remember yeah. her missing half her face. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I remember more blood and like gore in that kind of sense. Same yeah. with the exorcist girl. I remembered mm-hmm. her being like almost like exactly like bloody or like mm-hmm. much more dead looking, you mm-hmm. know, like whited out eyes. So the fact that really she just looked pretty normal and the only time we see her puking is that one the right yeah. when we see her and then after that she's just kind of like, mm, here's the box. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that here's that that goes to show how much We've been desensitized since then. Probably. And how much horror has probably gone. But then again, this is 99 and I we watched just... fucking Event Horizon and that oh, true. was that old and out. that shit was fucked up. I true. think it was just like uh, our sense of imagination mm-hmm. as kids. True. You yeah, know, absolutely. when we first saw it and just kind of being scared. It so, makes me understand yeah. how we were exposed to this as children because this is what I would consider safe horror and the fact mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, kids could see this and it's scary, but it's not going to ruin their nights for yeah. the next two weeks, you know, maybe. Because um, even like Poltergeist and Exorcist, I would say are scarier movies than this is, you yeah, know, in the sense of it. being like something that would keep me up even probably today or something. I'd still be kind of like, oh, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> um, but it was very surprising to see um, how much more like funny enough, like signs in level of mm-hmm. horror this movie is, which is much more like, yeah, gotcha, yeah. jump scare. <laughs> Did you guys notice that um, <laughs> any of the physical objects that ghosts were able to interact with were all red? Mm, no, I didn't notice yeah, that. Yeah, so cool. between the doorknob, the VHS box, the fort he makes, there's lighting that's red to indicate that there's a ghost around sometimes. The balloon. Yeah, the, yeah, red the balloon, balloon popping. Oh, yeah. yeah, so. Honestly, I, that was kind of the scariest scene, in my opinion, <laughs> yeah. really psychologically. Yeah, I was like, Pennywise is coming out. When, they, when, <laughs> the, when it ye- the voice is yelling from mm. the, oh, the cabin and then they shove him, him in there because that's yeah. like. That's like one of those. I'm a little claustrophobic, not like anything crazy, but to know that there's like a monster in a small space and then to be shoved and locked in there is just like, well, all right, my day's ruined. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I I really did like that theme where it's like, yeah, only red stuff. Dang, we didn't notice that. Ghost in touch. There's some other stuff that. um, You wanted to talk on? Kind of, yeah. So, I mean, no, I just, I really love this movie. I think this movie. 
is a masterpiece and i feel like it it lives dwarfed now but when it came out it was seen as like you know something you gotta go see and experience and it's weird to think about it now because everyone's just like oh right yeah the sixth sense the he's a ghost the whole time is there any like anything that could be considered like a sequel what, what the, the fuck? fuck? Serious. <laughs> Both of you guys at the same time. Did you try again? No. Shut up, Oh, Siri. my mom's calling me. Are you serious? Go ahead and answer. Right. On cast, though. Yeah. Okay. Hello? Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm going to wait a little bit. Uh, I'm actually recording a podcast right now, so I'll talk to you later about it. All right. Love you. See how this guy treats his mother? (laughs) (laughs) I farted in front of her. (laughs) Um, What what were we talking about The Sixth Sense being a masterpiece. Yeah, no, I feel like it's secretly a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. And everyone just kind of writes it off nowadays. I feel like this movie fucking changed how things kind of go. Like, I don't know. I think it set an impossible standard is kind of the problem to that. He he created something almost too good in the sense of having too genuine. Because the thing is, is, I I mean, did the original trailer for people before they saw it in theaters tell, say that it's, yeah, the original trailer had, I'm, I see dead people in it. That's such a bummer to me because I wanted to believe that both of those were big twists for people. Um, And that's why they, at least the first chunk of the movie leads with so much suspicion on what's actually going on because there was literally a part where i was like man i can't believe we're not seeing any dead people yet uh and it's you know it's not until we literally get his confession we see a single well you know obviously we've Mm -hmm. seen one the whole time but an actual dead person you know as far as like the angry or dead true um, experience i would like for them to um make a sequel essentially just of uh cole as an adult what you if know, Cole maybe grew his, up to be a child, like, psychiatrist or whatever? Yeah, or, like, just a detective or something. Uh, or or anything, mm-hmm. you know, really. But just, I want to, because I would like to just see him as an adult. And like how a doctor he's, sleep How style. he's handling his issues as an adult. And his mom's still there, kind of now fully believing and supporting him and everything. I, I mean, that, that would be, be cool. A, a great, like, outcome kind of thing. And then maybe he finds another God, kid Tony who can also see... Uh, Wait, what did you say? Maybe he also finds another kid or other people who can right. see mm-hmm. the dead. And he helps them figure out how to help them and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, this does sound like like a return to, like, Dr. Sleep Returns to the Shining. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it, it feels like, and that would be really cool, but I feel like you would have to have a pretty fucking good story, you know? Yes, exactly. It's, it's a cool idea, and I'd love to see it, but. I remember, another thing that literally surprised me just a little bit is I remember feeling smart for knowing that Donnie also mm-hmm. saw ghosts. I was like, oh, he also saw him. That's why he's crazy. And I didn't realize they like spelled it out for you yeah. so directly also in the movie. So I thought that was interesting. And I kind of wish that it would have been left just unspoken so that it was something mm-hmm. you as an audience just had to put together. Like, well, obviously that's what he was fucking struggling right. with back then. Um, but yeah, Br- you know, Brillis literally goes, oh, I think that's what he had, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there was just, I was just surprised. And even when we were seeing the runtime, you know, 108 minutes, I was like, dang, I thought this movie was both longer. And like I said, had way more several, stuff. several more scenes or several more ghosts than yeah. we ever really see in it. Um, but it, to watch it now and, you know, in my age to where we're in this age where we're like appreciating movies in a entirely different way, I can see how that, the, Funny enough, him seeing dead people isn't even the point, you know? Right. Yeah. And I would argue that in reality, Brillis is our main character. I would argue Brillis is our main character in For the sure. sense that this is his. He's, he's the one arcing. He's the one yeah. who has to come mm-hmm. to terms with death. Our final scenes are with him because we really don't get any true closure with Haley Joel Osmond so much as him just being like, I guess yeah, I kind of semi know yeah. how to deal with him now. Yeah, you he's know? still going through it. He hasn't reached the full arc. Like and so, saying. um, I just think that it's really, I think it's really well designed in the sense of, you know, making these things the predominant elements in it, but not making them what's necessarily the most important, you know? And so I think that's, that if the ghost would have been more more in it or more focal, it would pull away from what the message and the most important things in this movie are, you know? Because from what I think we even see, Bruce Brillis can't see, only the ghosts can't even see each other. No, they can't, no. So. Yeah, I really liked that aspect of it where they 
he didn't know what, what, you know, Cole was really going through. And it, and it shows that the ghosts are detached from reality in that Mm -hmm. sense. What were you going to say? I was just say, I could see this as like a, a indie comic. Oh, just little adventures with Cole. Oh, you're talking about like to continue. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's true. It feels like once Cole, you know, spells it out for his mom, there's no real like continue. Like he, Mm -hmm. this is something that he has to go with for the rest of his life. And it's more so about the ghost story about Bruce Willis coming Mm -hmm. to his terms. Um, yeah, no, I mean the ending of this movie where he finally has the, the catalyst is that the ring falls Mm -hmm. from her hand. And he realizes that he's not wearing it anymore. Yo, that shit made me cry. Dude, I cried. <laughs> I fucking, like, this movie had me fucking gripped the whole time. I was like, holy shit. Uh, but I, I wanted to talk about Donnie just a little bit. Vincent. Vincent Gray. Mm-hmm. He, he's the one that kills Bruce Willis. He's he's one of Bruce Willis's previous patients. He, was, mm-hmm. he breaks into their house and gets naked in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And he shoots Bruce Willis and then himself. Um that I feel like is really interesting because Bruce Willis understands, Oh, I failed this kid. Mm-hmm. And he basically wrote him off as like damaged because of a broken home. And I think it's interesting, this weird stigma of 1999 where it homes of divorce yeah, is what children of divorce yeah, went crazy is mm-hmm. where the these kids these people would come from and i feel like all three of us are children of divorce are children of divorce yeah. and <laughs> basically yeah and we are literally i think this generation is mostly that way mm-hmm. do you feel like there's any because i also feel like this generation is one of the most depressed or openly understanding depressed. of you know, mental health and stuff like that. I, I, it's interesting that this movie from 1999 paints that depression as, and it's wrong too, mm-hmm. where Bruce Willis is like, I'm wrong. And so he tries to use those same tricks on Haley, Joel mm-hmm. Osment, later Uncle. Cole. Mm-hmm. And he realizes as he's backing away when they're playing the mind guessing game that, oh, this isn't the same case. This must be like the one I failed, you know? And so I, I wanted, I wanted to bring this up. How do you feel like, these realities really are and how do you feel about the stigma of 1999 where they painted it like this you know what i mean i mean uh, divorce is still painted in kind of a terrible stigma in spite of it being what i feel like is kind of the popular option these days you or know, just I, the norm or the norm you know I just, it is a surprise when you meet people whose parents are still together it's like oh yeah, good you. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do anything but <laughs> <laughs> um but i i i think it's crazy to think that People think that divorce is what creates problem child children right. so much as like abusive homes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or like, mm-hmm. then I think those environments are obviously something more like you could dwell in and find a little more chaos in that kind of sense. But do you feel like uh, how I was saying about like being more open about depression and about mental health? Do you think that's something that exists because of divorce being such a high thing in in yeah, our like generation? How they kind of correlate so. with each other? You yeah. think so? Yeah, I, I. Uh, I I understand what you're saying about the stigma, but at the same time, I do feel like there are like a lot of things psychological, yeah, that happen when you're younger that really, really stay with you for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life. And a lot of times we're so young that we don't understand how much they really affect us. True, you know what I mean. And interesting enough, I think our parents all divorced at very different age ranges for us. You know what I mean? Because you were, I think, the youngest. You were somewhere in the middle, and I was definitely the oldest because I was like pushing. How old were you? My well, with my actual dad. Yeah, my mom left him when I was three months old. Okay, so you were the youngest. Yeah. Then I saw her go through a very long relationship with my stepdad Joel, Mm -hmm. and it went up and down for the better part of fifteen years. Wow. So it was. High school. It was a lot. Yeah, no. I mean, they they both had a lot of growing to do. They were both basically in their 20s, you know? How old was... This is something I actually don't know. know. How old were you when your parents split? I was three. Okay, see, it's nothing you even really... I mean, I remember. Mm, I I remember remember trying to go up to my parents while they were fighting and be like, hey, just hug me and everything's going to be okay. Like, you know, I would try to just... Peacekeeper. Yeah. (laughs) This is turning into a mental health episode. (laughs) I mean, this was kind of a mental health movie. For sure. For sure, for sure. Point of it, you know. Um, How old were you when Joel came into your life? 
Um, I was still in diapers. Okay. I wow. Was still so Joel young. was almost so, your, practically your dad. Yeah, honestly. I mean, he was, for the most part, uh, one of the father figures that I had growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but because my mom always referred to him as my stepdad, because they had such a rocky relationship the oh, whole she didn't time. Want they she were did. on and off all the time. Okay. Yeah, I, I never truly saw him as my dad. And that's actually... That's not a good thing. You mm-hmm. know, I didn't, I never gave him the respect or appreciation that he really did deserve. I mean, it's good you can reflect even on though, that, you know? Yeah. Even though he wasn't the best person, mm-hmm. you know, um, I understand now that I'm an adult that we're all human and it, as fucking cheesy as it sounds is everybody makes mistakes and everybody has those days. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> um, sorry, that was uh, Hannah Montana. Oh, okay. <laughs> Mighty Cyrus. Yeah. Uh, but, um, like, I'm sorry, I'm going too far. You're fine. (laughs) Um, But it wasn't until, I want to say, dang, was it like six years ago that him and my mom actually, for like legitimately split I think it was maybe a little bit more than that. Probably more than that, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've grown a lot because of him and without me even knowing you know True. what I mean? Um, but my mom and my actual dad's relationship did fuck me up a lot as see, a kid. And I can see that now. Really? I, I still don't. Maybe I have. I don't know. I feel like it. It there's the weird correlation mm-hmm. with divorce being so popular amongst our parents and then depression following after. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's a psychological thing of love being such a prevalent theme in all the media we consume yeah. yeah, and then seeing how, huh, it doesn't work. Not even with the two people who raised me, you know, I, I don't know if there's some sort of weird correlation in there. You know, the weirdest thing I used to think, uh, nine 11 did it <laughs> made us all depressed oh, because we saw really? such a strange phenomenon that we didn't even understand was a strange phenomenon. So early in our lives, us as millennials, and so I felt like 9-11 was the thing that suddenly shifted where it's like, oh, every year the biggest momentous thing that's ever going to happen is going to happen. And it keeps happening every year, it feels like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. It just – it I feel like – I don't know. Depression is such a weird thing. And this movie does – a weird job with it yeah. between Vincent Gray and then the proposed depression of Cole, Cole because we're confused on how he has, or at least our characters are confused on how he has these scratches on his wrists mm-hmm. and, you know, things like that where it's like, well, we've seen him with Tony Collette and she's fucking good with him. So it can't be an abusive relationship. It has to be self harm. You know, and so it it's really weird how this movie dances around it because it could have been a wild twist if there were no ghosts, you know what right, I mean? It right. was all you know, yeah. seeing ghosts and then that would have been like the double like what? Yeah. Um I feel like that would make this movie a lesser movie. That's true though. It would be trying too hard to And then you Bruce know? Willis wasn't dead. He thought he was dead. <laughs> he just kept wearing that dumb bloody shirt. Well, he, <laughs> the man he was before died, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh exactly. My God. <laughs> um, Ringo, you know? Dude, so the <laughs> ending of this movie is fucking incredible, mm-hmm. I think, where, you know, Bruce Willis finally understands, oh, I've been being I've been I've been played by the ghosts. I am ghost. Mm-hmm. And, I am ghost, yeah. Yeah. And he decides to like finally close that loop and dissipate. And then the last like scene we get is, you know, uh Olivia Williams the whole time is fucking watching like their honey no, no, their wedding tapes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the last scene we get is a grainy VHS tape of of them kissing and dancing and it fades to white. And then the first thing we see is M. Night Shyamalan, like, stamping, like, hey, I made this dope-ass fucking yeah, shit this right here. <laughs> and it's just, like, the the ending is so fucking good that it, it it heals maybe any qualms I had throughout the movie, you know? Mm. How do you guys feel about well, that? And, I mean, what I would say is for something that leaves us quite a few open-ended questions, like, mm-hmm. what happened to Haley Joel Osment, you right. know? Um, it, it's a perfect ending of it finishes it in such a way that it's beautifully satisfying you know you're like oh Bruce yeah. Willis, Willis got his happy ending you know <laughs> trying to keep, keep the Brillis thing going <laughs> well I uh, with me I felt like it just exemplified um, how much 
we need closure in our lives with things. Yeah, for in, sure. In general, like um, his his mom, uh, fucking Tony Collette's character, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. she needed. That's where I was crying. She needed to yeah. know about her her mother. mother. Yeah. You know, she needed that closure. She Damn, y'all got me. This know. movie did get tears out of me. It was literally Tony Collette <laughs> having to listen to her well, son confess yeah. shit he could not possibly <laughs> know. Yeah. But she, she needed uh, Cole to tell her the secret, whether yeah. she didn't want to believe it or not. Well, and I wanted you know? to believe that that was the um, grandma's closure that she needed. So I literally true. was like, now the grandma will never visit him again because the message she needed him to fucking get across, he finally mm-hmm. did. You know, yeah. she's exactly. been like waiting for him to get she it. She keeps putting that bumblebee pendant. Exactly. Like, hey, remember, buddy. Yeah. Tell your mom, silly boy. <laughs> Come on, buddy. But like, <laughs> I can like imagine bitch. that. <laughs> after the scene where Bruce Willis talks to his wife uh-huh. and um, where she's asleep and he disappears, I can imagine that after that, that's the closure she needs to finally move on with her life. Maybe True. move that dresser away from the basement, finally go into the basement again or, or put the ring down and yeah. not ha- carry it around everywhere she goes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the, the ending hit a lot harder um, regardless of the twist, you yeah. know, it just showed you that we all need this type of closure in our lives, you know, I, with the, things in general. I agree, Paul Damien. You don't have to tell me twice. I'll say it again. We all need this type of... Okay, sorry. Um, I just needed to write down a note real quick. <laughs> That's okay. um, so, I, I just wanted to talk about some of these things. There, yeah. There's... Um, the beautiful setup of like the basement possibly being haunted at the mm-hmm. beginning when she goes down to the wine cellar. That's how the movie opens. Yeah. It's good. Um, the idea of these ghosts needing closure, I think, is fucking sick. It, this, you're right. This movie is about like um, just the the full circle that everything yes. kind of needs, and and I think it's so well done when it's parents like tony collette to cole and then tony collette to her mother through cole mm-hmm. you know it this movie just works on so many levels that i just i parade it for forever um and you know how important uh score is to me in a movie and we got to give it up to uh james newton howard for giving us uh, some great oh, true. Some great music mm-hmm. that really brought That's this movie music. around yeah. at all times i thought the emotion landed sometimes as mm-hmm. good as it did because the score really like carried it along of making it like both a very traditional and untraditional horror film. Mm-hmm. We got like some very soft touch music in the emotional moments, but then we definitely got that eerie, uncomfortable kind of vibes, yeah. you know, in the times we really needed it. So uh, um speaking of score, there's more than one uh definition of score. <laughs> um what are ours? Yeah, let's go ahead and rate this movie. Paul Damien, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I'll give it a 3.7. Whoa. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's lower than I thought you were going to give it. Really? Yeah. But okay. 3.7. Mm-hmm. Tell me why. Tell I mean, me it, why. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a great movie. It's actually better than I thought it was going to be okay. uh, rewatching it here. But um, it, it's an amazing movie. My thing is that I just, I just want more from... You don't. Cole. You don't like, feel like I, it I don't ended feel well satisfied. enough. Yeah. Yes. I. I. I have myself questioning what's going to happen later on in Cole's life, which is actually a good thing for mm-hmm. the movie. But I just need closure. Yeah. If, you know, as the movie suggests. What I would say is that if we did get more Cole, I would want it less like Ghost Adventures Cole and more yeah. like the psychological damage of aging all the way up to like thirty or something and having been seeing dead people. And that's your what, entire life. You that's know? what I meant earlier when I was saying like how he now deals with yeah, things. Maybe the know? guilt of like right. not being able to help a bunch of them, you know, like in spite of trying, some I'm of them sure are still some, around. some yeah. of them are unhelpable, you yeah, know, and they, he can't do the thing they need. And so then they're still just bothering the shit out of him. Like how would he help a revolutionary soldier? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, tell my wife I loved her, you know, <laughs> and it's like, she's been dead for fucking 200 <laughs> years, go- bud. <laughs> he goes to a different ghost site and he's like, he loves you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> so there's like crazy implications that could be imagined and like mm-hmm. what would go on in a lifetime of mm-hmm. that torture like he even asked uh the question like what if they don't want help what if all they want to do is see somebody get hurt mm-hmm. you know but maybe he can't see those ghosts i mean oh. he, that's what bruce willis kind of hints at maybe that's really? not how it works True. only the ones that yeah, need genuine so who was hurting him the whole time the ghosts Oh, but because he's refusing to help. <laughs> oh. I think that's the problem. Okay. He's unwilling to help them and is so fear struck by them that they're like, bro, you know, yeah, like they're like, homie, yeah. please. 
Oh. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give this movie a 3.8. Okay. Because awesome. that's where it kind of falls for me in the sense that uh, I get it. I get why it's as it's as iconic as it is. But yeah. um, if you're going to be on the the horror movie shelf, if you're going to go in that genre, M. Night, you got to either commit to it or, or not, in my opinion. So it's like it like falls somewhere between two things that I think it it wants to be but it still is like it's perfect entity for what it is i don't know how yeah. to describe it beyond that but um it's like i like it it's just not my favorite movie in the world yeah. okay but um i really like signs i think signs is fucking like wildly underrated mm-hmm. I, agree. I think it's like, like i said a secret masterpiece mm-hmm. and i think the actors are strange and wonderful in it. It's just like this. You yeah. Know, they just happen to pluck the yes. perfect people. They mm-hmm. need it. You know, like who would That one has a Culkin. Yeah, it does <laughs> have a Culkin. It it's got a Phoenix, right. you know, yeah. like they fucking did that one right when yeah. it came to casting. Um, but uh, I feel like this movie's better. And so I would probably rate science pretty high because mm-hmm. I love that movie. And I think this movie understands the accidents it's making while signs is fumbling in mm. accidents. And so I think this movie um, is brilliantly crafted. Like from tip to toe, I think this movie understands the magic trick it's pulling off better than signs could have have. Like, I feel like every movie that M night Shyamalan writes from here on out, he thinks of the twist at the wrong point or mm-hmm. like I wonder how his process is because he obviously keeps trying to do these twist movies and so I wonder if he's like I know the twist before he writes the script or how did this one come to be yeah. I just feel like what comes first the twist or the story exactly <laughs> and so I feel like this movie it it knew how to like pull the illusionists like yeah trick on you and, yeah. and have you look at all the right things while only understanding half of it and so i have to give this movie a 4.4 Dang. oh nice you know what fuck my first score i'll give it a 4.0 okay <laughs> Gosh. i'll raise mine up even after yeah. that spiel you got me i'm gonna give it a 3.2 now <laughs> the lower <laughs> god damn it <laughs> um but i was just looking at the board and i yeah. see that our next movie is the thing yep is that correct? Yes. So next yeah. week, we will be talking about The Thing, directed by John Carpenter, starring... Composed uh, Car- by the Carpenters. Oh, com- is, I'm so excited. I believe it. Yeah, it's uh, starring... Um, what's his name? Kurt... Cobain. Uh, Kurt Russell. Oh, my gosh. It's Kurt Russell, right? I don't remember. It has to be Kurt it's Russell. Kurt Russell, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, yes. I can't put the name Kurt, to the face. Kurt Russell Potatoes. Kurt oh. Russell Potatoes. <laughs> yeah, of course it's Kurt Russell. What am I thinking? You're an alcoholic. Um, um, that's, that's but I, I fucking love that movie. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to watch it. Watching the original? Yes. No, for sure. Yeah. Why have not? you seen Kurt the Russell? Russell? Not both. Have you seen the prequel? Kurt I've Russell. seen both. You have? Yeah. What are you saying? Kurt Russell. Yeah. The original. No one watched both? <laughs> are you watch- have you seen the prequel? Do you like it? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I've seen both. Okay. I'm sorry. I enjoy them. All right. Well, next week we'll be talking There's actually the- three about. Them. The thing. How is there three of them? Uh, the original was made. I want to say in the fifties. Oh, it's, uh, it's a thing I, from another world. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you're being. All right. I see. That's like the Fast and the Furious came out in like 1952 or some shit. Like that. really? Yeah. I don't know that one. They just took the name. They, oh, okay. There's no like stolen VHS players or something or whatever <laughs> DVD players, whatever they're stealing in that stupid ass first movie. All right, well, he's <laughs> like so detached. He's all, fuck you guys. Well, we're going to be talking about something yeah. next week. So uh, we'll see y'all then, or we'll see y'all on another time. Bye, guys. Bye. Guys. Bye. Bye.